All right, welcome back to the Unison Church Podcast, and today we've got a cool episode. At the end of my last podcast, I hinted that in our First Corinthians series, there was going to be a sneak peek for this preaching series that we're doing at my church, Pond Hill, and um, today we're doing a promo. So I'm here with the other pastor at Pond Hill, uh, also my dad, Mike Carbaugh. So hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're excited. We've been planning uh, this series for a little little bit of time, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. But first, I figured let's give a chance to do a small introduction. So tell us about yourself and your ministry at Pond Hill. Okay. So I have been the senior pastor at Pond Hill for about 27 years, so I've been here for a long time. And before I was a senior pastor, I served as the youth pastor, music worship leader, before we called it worship leader. So it's been a long time. And so I've been here at this church for about 28 years. So it's been a long time. And uh, enjoy serving, enjoy uh, connecting with the community, enjoy connecting with people that are here. So uh, uh, as well as being the senior pastor here, I also do counseling and uh, strive to help as many people as we can just one-on-one. And so it's not just about preaching or teaching. It's about uh, connecting with them one-on-one and helping them, you know, line up their life with the teaching of Scripture, kind of as a life coach. Yeah. I heard a statistic recently that the average stint of a pastor right now is like three years or something. Yeah. So it's about normal. Yeah, Not that's normal. that's wild. We've yeah. both got that one beat so far. <laughs> you, you 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 much more than me. But. Yeah, it's interesting. In North Haven, uh, we have probably six or eight churches, and with the exception of one or two, who have had that that rollover two or three years. Yeah, they're most of my colleagues here at other churches have been here over twenty years as well. Yeah, so it's very unusual. Yeah, kind of cool. Yeah, kind of cool. And some of the churches just got new pastors, but they're coming off of a ministry of somebody that was here for like yeah. decades, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so that's really cool. That's really cool. So we, we have the cool opportunity to work together, um, and uh, we do all this, all of the sermon planning is done together, not necessarily every week, mm-hmm. but certainly series as a whole are kind of sculpted by each of us. Yep. I was explaining somebody the other day, because... The last sermon that you preached, you actually gave me your manuscript ahead of time, and we read through it and discussed through it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's that intensive. Sometimes it's just talking about overall mm-hmm. themes that we want to talk about. And then usually we'll split up the preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, some series I feel like we'll kind of take 50-50, and then other series are like predominantly one of us mm-hmm. or the other. This one in particular, we just we were talking about it beforehand, and we've got three services. You're going to be doing two of them, and I'm going to be doing one of them. Um, but I figured we would do a little bit of bonus content today, um, a little ad- addition to the series. I love bonuses. Yeah, for sure. So we're primarily going to be talking about the Gospels of, of um, Christ in the series proper, mm-hmm. but being that I've been studying through 1 Corinthians on this podcast and focusing on that, I think 1 Corinthians has a good bit to say about what we're going to be talking about as well. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so we're going to talk through some of the Corinthians passages and, um, hopefully give like a little preview of some of the series. 
So tell us about the series name and why it's called that and and what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So the series we're entering into is during the month of August, and it's a common theme for us. We we focus in August, as everybody gets into new routines, on this idea of serving. And so this series is called The Goat, The Greatest of All Times. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about great quarterbacks and great hockey players, basketball players, you know, build some contention within the church service, right? right. And uh, But draw it back to what Jesus said, the greatest of all time is the one who serves. So, so it's really about serving and using, you know, the gifts and talents, resources God's given us mm-hmm. to be able to serve one another instead of, I think sometimes we use them for our, our benefit often and forget about uh, the opportunities we have to minister to other people around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, talking about service is important, especially, you know, do, being, having, you know, pastors that have been doing ministry for a mm-hmm. long time in church. Um, church doesn't happen if people don't step up and serve. So that's important. Um, I think too, sometimes a misnomer about a pastor is the pastor is the one who's choreographing all the work and telling everybody else how to serve. mm -hmm. And uh, we just come off of a picnic where, you know, where we kind of did a lot of the serving, you know, from picking up meat to grilling to, you know, cleaning up trash, you know, and so... I think that's I think I think the scripture gives us a great example of that where it's not just Jesus saying, Hey, go do this, go do that. It's not just the pastor saying, Go do this, go do that. But it's Jesus picking up the cloth and washing the disciples' feet, you know, and that's that's the type of service that we're called to. Um and even as a pastor, you know, I'm called to serve just like anybody else is called to serve. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good segue into the first thing we're going to talk about from 1 Corinthians 2. So one of the things that I mentioned uh, last in the last podcast when we were kind of going through 1 Corinthians is Paul's writing style to the Corinthians is that he kind of introduces this topic, and then he returns to it several times. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get like a holistic picture of what Paul's talking about in Corinthians, you really need to read every instance of mm-hmm. when he talks about uh, that thing. And so right out the gate in 1 Corinthians 1, there's actually a, a passage that I think ties really closely into what we're talking about. And it's uh, it's essentially the first time that we hear about the divisions in Corinth, which is probably the most main theme mm-hmm. in Corinthians, is the fact that the church was dividing over different things, um, and it was really because they were arrogant about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And Paul is writing this letter to kind of clean up shop a little bit so that when he, when he comes to Corinthians, he doesn't have to like bring the rod of discipline. He could come and just celebrate with them. So he's hoping that they kind of clean up. And here's the first thing that he says that they're divided about. It's in uh, 1 verse 10 is where we start. So it says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be re- united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, um, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there's rivalry among you. What I am saying is that one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in Paul's name? So what's going on here is that the people in Corinthians are essentially dividing themselves into camps based on who they were like led to Christ by. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're saying, oh, I was like Paul's disciple. I was Paul's mm-hmm. disciple. I was Peter's disciple. I was Jesus' disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're not 
they're not really happy about that. And Paul says, you know, I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you guys, but then he remembers he did baptize a couple. Um, in verse 17, we'll pick it up. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied by its effect. And he kind of goes into this, and he's he starts talking about how um, the the wisdom of this world is like overcome by the foolishness of God. Um, and there's this air of kind of, yeah, there's it's so anti-prideful, mm-hmm. the way that he's teaching here. Um, and then we'll read one more part of this first thing, and it's uh, he's he talks specifically about this later on in verse 22. He says, For the Jews ask for signs, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness mm-hmm. is stronger than human uh, strength. And so that that weakness and strength is is kind of important to what's going on here. So what's kind of your first first impressions from that? I don't know. I kind of I kind of find it ironic that people are name dropping. <laughs> you know, and when I think about it, I think of, oh man, we have the same problem today. You know, we talk about, you know, will I follow this online personality or that online personality? And I right. I think uh I think, man, that's that's a terrible picture of us today when we do that, or or even do it about church names, right? You know, or about theological positions. And really, what Paul's doing here says, listen, there should not be this division among you. You make it an issue. It was never supposed to be that way. Um, and so that that was kind of as we were reading the scripture, I was like, oh boy, now now I feel a little a little convicted in my heart, you know, a little bit. And so yeah. uh, about that, but I think Paul does a great job at just pumping the brakes and he says whoa you know uh the this is not the way life is supposed to be lived this is not the way christians are supposed to interact with one another and i i think that's that's pretty cool of paul you know he, he could have got a big head mm-hmm. you know and he resists that and so i think any and he teaches us to resist that as well so that's my first impressions i feel like yeah yeah for sure for sure so later on, there's this, and I always hear these two talked about next to each other, but there's a third place where he talks about it that sometimes we don't talk about as much. But um, this this spot in chapter three later on, hmm. um, he kind of comes back to this. And this one, like I said, I always hear it talked about with the passage mm-hmm. in, in chapter one. So it says this in verse five, when, what then is Apollos? What, what is Paul? Mm-hmm. They're servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Mm -hmm. So that neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. And uh, yeah, this is a a big one. Um, I feel like, like I said, people talk about it a lot. And just kind of taking the this bigger perspective on what it is to work and do ministry in the mm-hmm. kingdom of God is that all the glory ultimately gets ascribed to God. And mm-hmm. so therefore, right. you know, we're all kind of equal before mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, but it's like a place of exaltation as well. Cause he called us coworkers with mm-hmm. God. I mean, that's right. a, that's a, that's a big honor, mm-hmm. but it's an equal honor that we mm-hmm. all share. So, yeah. yeah. And he does that. in in chapter one, two, he says, you know, can Paul save you? Right. Only Christ can save you, you yeah. know? And so he, exalts Christ right 
but then here he exalts those who are working for Christ too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really cool, really cool thing that the Apostle Paul does. Yeah. Yeah, one of the themes about, like, when we talk about like, humility and pridefulness and those kinds of things mm-hmm. is it's interesting because we're encouraged to be humble, and mm-hmm. especially by the next verse, we're very encouraged to be humble. But at the same time, there's like an honor, like a transcendent mm-hmm. honor that goes with that right. place as well. Um, so it's interesting, you know, it's, you know, Christ says that when we lose our lives, we'll find it. Mm-hmm. And it this is kind of like that too. When we mm-hmm. lay down our, our pride, mm-hmm. we actually find real actual honor. Right. And he used that word, what was it? Uh, co-laborers with Christ. You know, in Romans, mm-hmm. he used the word joint heirs mm-hmm. with Christ. You know, this right. exaltation because of our commitment to Christ. And right. in essence, commitment to Christ isn't just a name thing. Yeah. You know, it's just, we're not, not another name we're dropping, right? The fact that we are a continuation of that ministry that Christ so clearly exemplified in the Gospels and then said to us, hey, even as the Father sent me, well, now I'm sending you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that that co-laboring, that joint heirs at some point in the future, right? But also that that empowerment that God gives in Acts 2. I mean, I mean it's right. written, the theme is so clearly given throughout the Scripture that that God has called us into this this union with him and his work. And then we have to examine his work. What does his work look like? And it doesn't look great when we think about the Gospels particularly. So Right, right. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's actually it's interesting that you talk about co-heirs because that, that's actually uh, um, mentioned by Paul here in 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. as well, uh, but with a little tinge to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's read the next passage. This is kind of like the last passage where Paul talks about himself and Apollos in particular. And this one, I feel like, gets missed by some people, um, maybe because it's not very pretty to read. It's, like, pretty harsh. So um, let's jump into that. It's chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollo. So that's kind of the callback to what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. For your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written. The purpose of that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? Mm-hmm. What do you have that you didn't receive? If in fact you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? You're already full. You're already rich. And here's that coerce thing. You have begun to reign as kings without us. And I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. So he's not denying the fact that you're given right. honor for sure. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, in last place, like men condemned to die, we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. Mm-hmm. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but you are dishonored. And if you're not careful, I think when you read that particular mm-hmm. verse there, you may catch that that Paul's just doing a comparison. But what he's actually doing is kind of slinging insults at the Corinthians. Because mm. he's, he's about to talk about, in a second, how important it is that the disciples are treated like this. Mm-hmm. And that you're supposed to kind of follow that example. So when he says, we are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ, it mm-hmm. sounds nice to be wise in Christ, but actually Paul is kind of not treating that as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we'll keep going in verse 11. Up to the present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty. We're poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we're like the scum of the earth, like everyone's mm-hmm. garbage. 
I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, for you may have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we read that second section. I have a, a header marker in my Bible there mm-hmm. in between those sections that we just read mm-hmm. when he says, I'm not writing this to shame you. But he literally starts that section, if it is a section, uh, I'm not writing this to shame you. He's calling back to what he said before, mm-hmm. implying that you may feel shame when you look at how, how the apostles are treated as lowly. Mm-hmm. And you yourself is, is treated as wise. Um, and then when he says, imitate me, we should be thinking about this humbled state that the, the apostles are thinking of. I think that's just kind of the flow of, of thought there. So, yeah, in light of this whole narrative, like what we've kind of come to the end of Paul's talking about him and Apollos in mm-hmm. chapter, the, the book of 1 Corinthians. So what do you, like as a whole, mm-hmm. what do you see as like a common theme there? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that kind of comes out to me is this idea, this contrast between what the Corinthians thought spiritual maturity looked like, mm. because they kind of elevated this idea of, oh, I want to be seen as wise, I want to be exalted, you know, um, I, I want my Christian character to be this badge of um, pride. Almost, and yet, in essence, and they looked down upon the people who were looked down upon or even um, persecuted for their faith, right? Which Paul was. I mean, that was part of Paul's story, and Paul is saying, "Hey, it's it's not about that at all." And and I think sometimes that that comes true in us too. We get the wrong, make the wrong thing the wrong focus. You know, we want the uh, the best jobs in church. You know, we want to be a leader of a team or you know, whatever that may be in, in your particular um, setting. But Paul says, you know, it's not like that. The Christian life is not like that at all. In fact, you look at Paul's life, you look at Apollos' life, which we don't know very much about, mm-hmm. but you look at a lot of the followers of Jesus' life, and even Jesus' life, uh, Jesus wasn't exalted to a throne. He was lifted on a cross. Right. That. That doesn't sit right with our theology, right? right? And I think we think sometimes because Jesus was already exalted to the cross, you know, that, that then our, ours should be different somehow. And that's right. just not the case that, uh, uh, that Paul talks about. So I think he wants to go and just remind people, hey, you know, Apollos and I are, you know, I, I want to say we're, we're, we're pals, we're friends. But actually it's not even about friendship. It was more about, hey, we are, you know, united together for the same purpose right and you should be united together for that same purpose as well so right. so yeah that it's it's interesting the apollo and apollos the corinthians want to kind of i don't think they're trying to divide a wedge between them but they're drawing a distinctive difference between the two of them and mm-hmm. trying to take sides and paul's saying hey there's no sides here right right yeah yeah i feel like you're right that people look at sort of christian maturity and to me, a lot of it is like public facing. Mm-hmm. Like they want to almost be like public facing, like the person that people look at during the service or whatever. And I think there's like a joint call there because there's a joint call to the people that have the positions of like public mm-hmm. uh, nature where you're seen as like an authority. And how do you conduct yourself when you're seen like that? And Paul's very clear to say, hey, you're, you're conducting yourself. You should be conducting yourself as lowly mm-hmm. and humble as you can. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then for the person that doesn't have that public position, it's also like, he, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a pastor or speak or, or, right. um, you know, or lead a team or there's nothing wrong with that, no. but it's like, make sure that you're desiring that for good reasons, that it's not like a pride thing or it's not an accolade to yeah. be added to your like Boy Scout thing, you know? Yeah. I got the badge for that. Yeah, you know, right. been there, done that. Yeah. And honestly, you know, speaking from the perspective of a pastor, sometimes the pastors aren't the most mature people in the church. Does that sound weird? I mean, I think that sounds like, you know, hey, we're immature today. <laughs> you know, that's not sure. what I'm saying. But sometimes as a pastor, there are people who are definitely much more spiritual than you, not in a position of authority, not the head of this category or, mm-hmm. um, you know, not in charge of this ministry. Um Right, but they're often the people that are, you know, just praying every day, and 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 I think sometimes we're the one who make a particular service greater value. In Paul's eye, in God's eye, there was no distinction in that; mm-hmm. they were all parts of this whole thing that God's kind of bringing together. And sometimes it's hard for us to see that because we see, you know, as they say, the the illustration, we see the tip of the iceberg. Right. We don't see the rest of the work sometimes that's being done on a weekly basis just to get you to the place where you can have a service. Right. Um, right. So. Yeah. I feel like sometimes the things that are the smallest acts of service are sometimes the things that like you and I are talking about in our meeting saying like, hey, did you hear that this person did mm-hmm. this thing? You know, like this person went over to someone in the church's house and helped them figure something out that they were having a hard time with. Yeah. like. Like those, sometimes that's the stuff that like we'll sit down and be like, "Hey, did you hear that that person did that? How mm-hmm. awesome is that?" Yeah. Or like this person went out of their way to pick up this person for right. an event, you know, because they didn't want to drive at night or something like that. Yeah. Or you walk up on a conversation that somebody's having with someone they've never met before, and right. this conversation is like miles deep. Right. You know, and they're just being a a brother or sister, and you know, it was a it was a casual conversation that turned into a very spiritual moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, like what role, like Paul talks a lot about being persecuted in this. Mm -hmm. And I wonder too, you know, I've heard some people say that, you know, if you're not experiencing any kind of hardship, that there's probably something wrong. Like you're not really like being active enough in the kingdom Mm -hmm. or whatever. I don't know if I want to go that far to make it like a rule. Um, But I, but I would say that um, because the love of Christ is most clear on the cross mm-hmm. where he's giving up his life for other people, where he's suffering. I do think that there's like what's called a cruciform mm-hmm. shape to our service. And if somebody is serving and they are never displayed in that cruciform mm-hmm. way, I think there's a problem. Like, like we should be serving through doing things that are difficult mm-hmm. or going through hardships or meeting other people that are going through hardships. Like, that kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think of service as like, oh, this feels really good mm-hmm. for me, you yeah. know, for my soul or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and that's true. I'm getting but... praise for that. Let me pat myself on the back, you right. know, so. Right, right. Or I'm getting like fed by mm-hmm. doing this. Or like, mm-hmm. this is a spiritual discipline, so it's bringing me closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all that stuff is kind of true to an extent, but it's yeah. also like the suffering and the cruciform nature mm-hmm. of our service is important. Right, right. And I almost feel like, you know, Jesus... I think that Jesus gives us this incredible example to follow that at the moment when he's about to go to the cross, right, 
he also girds himself with a towel and washes the feet. I mean, that mm-hmm. just, you know, that just really kind of demonstrates this power of not only is he going to the cross, but he's also taking time to wash your feet. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, that's just so, you know, when you think about it, humiliating, you right. know, and um, it's not a culture, a custom that we do necessarily, but serving, being hospitable, doing the things that are just maybe be out of your comfort zone as a leader. I think leaders ought to do the things that maybe they haven't done in a while. Sure. You know, I, I like to take a turn cleaning the building. You know, mm-hmm. I like to take the, I don't like to take a turn doing the lawn. I really don't like that at all, you know, sure. but, um, but I do because that's, you know, I'm not only just the pastor of the church, I'm a member of the church as well. And so right. I don't want to ask anybody else to do something that I'm not willing to do. Right. Um, and so I think that that keeps us um, saying no to those desires that want to elevate us, you know, right. keeps us in a proper headspace maybe yeah. that reminds us that I'm not above any other job within the role of the church just because I'm pastor. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I remember I was, um, reading through some passages in revelation and I was hearing some talks about revelation and, um, there's this moment in revelation where there's this huge procession of like Christ's worthiness Mm -hmm. And the name that he's called in Revelation is the lamb that was slain. Mm-hmm. And so there's this there's this phrase, worthy is the lamb who was mm-hmm. slain. And it's interesting that Jesus is clothed with his greatest honor mm-hmm. when he is um, at his weakest point, mm-hmm. you know, on the cross, the lamb being slain. Mm-hmm. And uh, his humility is so, like, radical mm-hmm. in that moment. And I I think for me, when I've encountered a lot of people that serve in different churches and stuff, humility is not always the word I walk away with after having conversations with some of these mm-hmm. people. You know, as I, as I look at even other pastors and, and leaders in the church and stuff like that, like there does seem to be sometimes a lack of humility, mm-hmm. which is ironic because that's like Christ's defining feature. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, especially with the washing the feet, like not even just the cross, like all mm-hmm. throughout his ministry, right. Jesus is so humble. He's confident, mm-hmm. but he's humble too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Have you experienced that as well? Like this kind of dearth of humility? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes not only there's a dearth of humility, there is feigned humility mm-hmm. where we know that we should do it, but we're doing it so that other people see our humility mm-hmm. or think of us as being humble. Sure. Um, and so I feel like there's, there's both that, you know, that I think that's a problem, you know, either I don't want to be humbled or, or I'm being humble so that others will see me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's a struggle. That's a struggle. Um, I think one of the things that we, that when we compare ourselves to Jesus, right, there's a part of that, that we can never measure up because there's, there's this pureness of soul yeah. in the person of Jesus that. Yes, he dealt with the human side that, you know, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, right? But there is this this singularity of purpose and vision within Jesus that that we just don't understand. We don't, we don't have because we're Adam's children and, and there's a part of us that's just fallen. Um, and so I think that we have to battle against that too. And sometimes that gets the better of us, particularly. I, I think mm-hmm. Corinthians is a great verse, a great book where it talks about 
the struggles that they had are very real struggles, even for us today, you know? And so I think that's a great place to even see that on the pages of scripture, Mm -hmm. not just in my life, but on the page of scripture, Hey, they're struggling with this even then, you know, and Paul kind of deals masterfully with it. Yeah, for sure. So help me remember, I can't I can't remember. Last time we talked about service. I it might have been last time, might have been the time before, but we used First Corinthians twelve as one of our passages for our service series mm-hmm. not too long ago, right? Yep, we did. Do you think that was last year? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't either. I feel like if I didn't preach it in the last like two months, then yeah. it was forever oh, yeah. ago. For sure. <laughs> it was like For infinite sure. that, time ago. That's like, I, I'm sure in many, in one of our times, probably in all of our times, we've talked about First Corinthians 12, because I think when we talk about service within the church, I think the First Corinthians 12 is this incredible portrait of the way things can be. Right. But I think even on the outside of the church, I think the reason the world is in such a mess as it is is because the struggle within the church, the church, I'm talking about everywhere, right? we've become so fractured and so splintered that we're not acting like 1 Corinthians 12, even in that capacity. Totally. Yeah, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called Until Unity. It's mm-hmm. a Francis Chan book. Mm-hmm. And I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, he's challenging. He's like, yeah, he's a little bit too convicting for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah, we're doing his study through Job so. right now on Right Now Media with the men's group as well, and it's like very hard hitting. Yeah, yeah. Him and yeah. Jesus sometimes I don't agree agree with. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. But... Yeah, and he he there's like this quote in one of his uh, one of the chapters there where he's like, if you don't believe that the church is fractured, mm. name any other religious group that has more than like three factions. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that. I was like, okay, you know, Judaism probably has maybe five or six different factions, different strains, maybe a little bit more. Um, but like, you look at Christianity, like we've got oh, hundreds of denominations. Yeah. Like, there's so many. Yeah. yeah, and and then and then on top of that, there's this air within the church that like, if you're not in their denomination, mm-hmm. or maybe in like a small group of denominations, mm-hmm. then you're not even in the club like you're not even like a yeah. christian at all yeah um and perhaps that's true for some but i don't think yeah. true to the extent that we claim it yeah but think about that he's right i mean how sad first of all right and then how arrogant right, right. you know that you're the only one doing what i mean there's a story about this in the bible where the prophet said i'm the only one who's serving you and 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 god shows up and just says how sad and how arrogant of you to think that I can only have one, you know, and he says, right. oh, by the way, there's like 300 prophets over here who've never yeah. bent their uh, their allegiance to anybody but me, and you're thinking you're the only one? Uh, no, not so much. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think of um, Jesus' prayer in John where he says that, you know, my prayer to my Father is that all these people will be mm-hmm. one, and it's in the oneness that they have, like their unity, mm-hmm. that they show the gospel to the yeah. world. And I just think of how happy um, Satan must be when he, mm-hmm. when he, you know, notices the amount of, you know, splits that we have and yeah. the words that are said behind closed doors mm-hmm. about, or even in the public. That's the crazy mm-hmm. thing is we're so audacious to yeah. say to like a news panel mm-hmm. that, you know, these, these people are, are not part of our tribe or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, 
And perhaps they're not part of your tribe and you should get out of the current tribe you're in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I thought the tribe was Christ, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what Paul said in the very beginning. He says, stop saying you're from this tribe, Apollos, or this tribe, Paul, or right. this this tribe, Cephas. But, you know, we're all from Christ. Yeah. Period. God gives the increase, right? Yeah. And so we may not agree on every aspect of how we worship or, or even everything in the Bible, you know, and and we want to we want to make it so clear. Well, this says this is what the Bible says, and on many issues, well, the Bible doesn't just say what your persuasion is. You know, and that's yeah. hard for us. Sometimes, it's not as simple so, as yeah. we make it out to be. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let's take a look at First Corinthians twelve too, because I think that that is that is huge, and I think you're right. We've probably at least alluded to First mm-hmm. Corinthians twelve in almost every series we've done on service mm-hmm. before. Um, but yeah, let's just go ahead and read the passage. In in uh, chapter 12, verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part but many. If the foot shall say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the head or to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable we clothe with great honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, Mm -hmm. but that the members would have the same concern for each other. For if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it, and if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and as individual members of it. So uh, then he's going to kind of launch into some spiritual gifts teaching. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially going to say, hey, you know, we could get divided over all the different things that we, all the different ways that we serve in the church, mm-hmm. all the different giftings we have, or we could do the superior way, which is love, which I talked about a lot in our last right. podcast. So we won't necessarily rehash that now, but... When you think about the body metaphor for the church, what do you think is maybe the the most like stark contrast with how many churches function today? Well, I, I'm not really sure that I could narrow it down, you know, to be honest with you. But as you were reading, one of the things that stood out to me the most, even in the very beginning, you know, of this, hey, there are many, but there's really only one body. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that idea, I and mean, that's what Paul's talking about way back in chapter one. Yeah, you know, and and so, um, uh, I, you know, I just I just feel like that's this even even in this. Hey, there's one body. There's one body. There's one body. There's one body. You know, and yes, and that uh, uh, analogy. So if we take it into the individual church, um, you know, the church has all these different parts that have to work 
properly. But if we look at even a globe of, of you know that global church that we're talking about, yeah, and we've got all these fractures, you know, it's you know it goes back to what he was talking about in the first chapter, right? Is that hey, you know, we're not one, we're not unified in any capacity, um, and that's it's not going to operate properly. So I don't yeah. I don't know if that answers the question because I just. Not sure I know. I mean, I feel like I'd have to think about that for weeks, you know, and yeah, try yeah. to think about, you know, what about you? What do you think is the that overarching struggle for that? Well, I think you're right that oneness mm-hmm. is something that I don't think we see all the time, um, especially on like a global, because mm-hmm. I mean, we're half the time we're not even thinking about all the yeah. people out there doing doing ministry and right. other parts of the world and um, and not even like... Like, I think sometimes we think of the churches in the other part of the world, and we're like, here's our missionaries that, like, came from the U.S., went and started a church. But there's, like, all these just national people that mm-hmm. are there, you know, they're, that are part of the body, just like we're part of the body. So, yeah, I think oneness is is a struggle in general, and even just oneness with the churches mm-hmm. that are in the same town as you mm-hmm. is, is yeah. a struggle. Right, um, right. But I think another piece of this that I don't see a lot is the honor piece where it's like you know we take the 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 lower parts of our body or whatever um and w- what exactly he means by that mm-hmm. um i'm not 100 percent sure but he's like we clothe the lesser parts with greater honor mm-hmm. and i think that sometimes we don't always do a good job clothing people with mm-hmm. honor yeah and and really like i'm not even sure we understand fully what that even means yeah yeah. You know, what What does that mean in, in our context, you know? So, right. Um, right. You know, I, I, I was sitting here thinking, just, you know, still trying to mull over the question that you asked me, you know, and, you know, one of the things that keeps coming into my mind while, you know, sitting here thinking, listening is, is because the church is one body, I think sometimes we don't give enough credence to listening to all the parts of the body. Sure. Because if, if our if our value and our power rest in the many parts as one, then everybody has a voice and every voice is, is um, unique mm-hmm. and every voice is just as credible, particularly when you when you when you factor into the fact that every voice of a believer is spirit empowered. Right, right. You know, and how much do we need every voice to be accounted for within our churches, within our communities? Right, you know, and and ultimately, if you think about it, the loudest, the biggest voice for volume, right, in any given community is probably the Christian voice, mm. the voices for those in the church. That's probably the largest group of individuals, and statistics show it. You know that sure. over fifty percent of the population holds to some form of Christian uh, belief. Sure, yeah, in so, the U.S. at least, for sure. Yes, right. Yeah. So we have the loudest voice in any given community, and yet the voices are so fractured that we can't get anything done within society, really, Yeah, you know, to influence change, I guess, you know. And so right. I think that's that happens within our local churches, and that happens even larger within our communities Yeah, uh, from that perspective, you know. So, so is that part of giving value to the lesser parts is that part of, you know giving sure. them a voice within that uh within the body you know is that is that what he's alluding to there i'm not sure but yeah maybe um yeah i know i like that a lot too and i, I feel like we should should do that you know one one 
one place where I think that I've seen this done somewhat well is like I've I've heard of um, this is a th- bigger church thing mm-hmm. where they have like a preaching team mm-hmm. and they essentially have this you know um, structure where you'll you'll go and you'll talk about your series or whatever. Mm-hmm you know, around a table with, with people. Some of them are pastors, some of them are not pastors. Mm-hmm. The one that I heard of in particular was like a complementary in complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was um, male elders in the church that were mm-hmm. doing the preaching. And somebody said at one point, hey, let's um, get some women mm-hmm. on the team. Not necessarily to speak to mm-hmm. the church, but to what, give input mm-hmm. into how to you know, how to preach this series. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting, you know, because mm-hmm. here you have this the, this context where, you know, y- y- the people in the room don't necessarily think that women should be preaching or teaching mm-hmm. or whatever, right. but they're clothing them with honor and saying like, hey, have a seat at the table and I want to listen to your input about mm-hmm. what we're going to speak about so that it right. could be that much better, you know? And I think that's huge. Another place where I see that is like in multi-ethnic contexts. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here in Connecticut where diversity is huge. There's a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Some towns more than others, but right. quite a bit. It's so congested that it almost doesn't even matter. Then, <laughs> because it's like you're, you know, we have so many towns represented in our church because mm-hmm. they're so small and you can travel easily yep. and stuff. So, but um, yeah, listening to um, quote unquote minority vo- voices mm-hmm. as well, I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um especially within your own church mm-hmm. context. It's like finding the not majority voice mm-hmm. in your church and asking them about how they're feeling mm-hmm. and what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's important to communicate to everybody in your church as well, because, you know, where where's the forum that that voice can be heard? Right. You know, I mean, in our church context, you know, we provide opportunity in every business meeting for people to talk with us. Um, but the truth is it's less than 50% of the church is showing up for a business meeting. Right. So right. you're missing out on 50% right. of the voices Sure. You know that are placed there by God. That's what the scripture said. God put them together to form that body well. So um, they're placed there, but then they're silent because we didn't make a business meeting as... as as important as it should be mm-hmm. to receive those voices, or we crafted our business meetings so that nobody even had a voice. Sure, sure. You know, because we, you know, wanted to get through the agenda as quickly as possible or what have you, you know, and so. Yeah. And I feel like that might look different depending upon what context you're in. Yes, like for we, sure. We have like a congregational church government where, mm-hmm. where, you know, our church is voting on things. And so I think in our context, we, it's, we have a little bit of an easier job mm-hmm. because it's like, in our very, you know, constitution, we're saying like, hey, the, the people sitting in the seats are the mm-hmm. people that have the authority about how the church is run. So yeah. so we feel like, you know, we're still led by elders, but it, but really it comes down to people's voices. And mm-hmm. so I feel like we, we try to do that. But I think even in a context where you're not doing the congregational style of, of church government, where, you know, maybe it's like a presbyter that's mm-hmm. kind of more, more top down, there's still like, you know, what if the people in the presbyter were visiting churches and interviewing people and maybe it takes a little extra work, but I do feel like we've got to listen to those, mm-hmm. those voices for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think valuing like difference in serving is really important too, mm-hmm. because it's, 
you know, like back to what I was saying before about like the public facing ministries and the not public facing ministries, we, it's easy to honor people that are in public ministry because mm-hmm. you can kind of, you know, you literally just give them a round of applause after they get off the stage, mm-hmm. you know, or, but making sure that we're also valuing the more private ministries too. Mm-hmm. And we recently started doing a thing where we have like the credits in our, mm-hmm. in our service and, um, you know, we made it look like movie credits and we just try to think like, okay, who's all the people that mm-hmm. helped make this service happen right. down to like the people that cleaned the building during the week, mm-hmm. that did the lawn during the week, that are, you know, downstairs in kids ministry, mm-hmm. who almost nobody that comes into the building sees other than the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to honor those people more. Mm-hmm. And we're just putting their name on the screen. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, we have more ways to go to, yeah. to honor them. But. but people have actually said to me, they said, man, I look for the credits to see who is there. You oh, know? really? Yeah. Cool. So I was like, oh, really? I mean, that's just kind of something small, right? Yeah, so, that's cool. Yeah. So Michael Hyde, I think I heard him say, he says, in any given uh, work week, there are three stages. There's on stage, there's behind stage, and there's off stage. Right. And he classifies his work week that way. But when you think about churches, there's there's on stage, there's backstage. You know, that might incorporate your greeters or that that might be on stage actually too. Sure. Or your A V team or cleaners, you know. Right. And then there's people who um may not be on stage or backstage, but they're praying for the service every week and they're sure. you know, writing emails or different things like that. And so all yeah. of those tasks are equally important. No task is of greater importance than anyone. And if you miss one of those, then the whole service, the whole entity, the whole body mm-hmm. suffers. Yeah, yeah. And Paul kind of takes us to the, the last place that he sort of takes us before launching into his, you know... Um, his conversation about spiritual gifts is he says, you know, when one part of the body suffers, Mm -hmm. the whole body suffers with it. And this is so true, right? Because like, if you, if you like stub your toe, Mm -hmm. your whole body is feeling it, you know? So that's, so that's very true. Definitely Um, out of sync, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely out of sync. Yeah. So I, I do, I do feel like that's, you know, what does that look like Mm -hmm. practically? in a church context, um, and then in like a global church context too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I think there's there's probably a couple of ways to look at this verse, right? If if I come in on Sunday morning and the person who mows the lawn hadn't gotten to the lawn, mm-hmm. you know, because life, I you know, I get it. If I'm not careful, I can let the tempo of the rest of the day be about, man, I wonder what people are thinking when they drive into the lawn, the lawn's not mowed, sure. you know? So I think there's that. But then there's then there's the also the side of this that I don't think we do enough talking about, and it, it's not directly in the, in the, in the uh, uh, text here, but that person who mowed the lawn, they had a aunt pass away. Mm-hmm. So, but my first response sometimes goes to, oh, they didn't get the lawn done. Sure. As opposed to, Man, I hope something didn't happen in their family that kept them away from the lawn. I hope it's just a mistake. They forgot about it. Let me reach out to them, make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so there. This is kind of that two-sided coin. You know, and and I think that that's. I think that both apply. Uh, that we're sometimes more interested in the task at hand than we are with the people, mm-hmm. and the struggle that they may be going through. 
and then sometimes the task doesn't get done and it, it, it impacts me and has this domino effect. So I think there's a double, what do they call it? A double meaning, double entendre, or, mm-hmm. you know, so sure to sure. get that. So. Yeah, no, I get that. As like a, somebody that does a lot of event planning mm-hmm. in, in, you know, our role at the church is certainly is a lot of event planning. I have a lot of event planning elsewhere mm-hmm. also. Um, and you kind of, one thing that you realize is that every event is like a collected whole. It's another body. <laughs> yeah, it's, and so, yeah, you're, you know, if you're thinking Sunday, everything could go right. But if even one thing doesn't go right, it's mm-hmm. like it affects the whole mm-hmm. for sure, you know, and, and certainly driving into like a parking lot with tall grass or um, having garbage somewhere mm-hmm. or, um, you know, having like a microphone malfunction, mm-hmm. like all that stuff contributes to mm-hmm. the, the whole experience. Right. Um, and I think that that actually might be one of the ways that we honor people that are serving. Mm-hmm. Is just by reminding them, and I I feel like we say this a lot, um, mm-hmm. especially with regards to like maintenance on the building and mm-hmm. like lawn care and greeting and stuff like that. Like we talk about first impressions a lot mm-hmm. in our church, where it's like, what you know, what is somebody thinking when they drive into mm-hmm. the parking lot? Because a lot of people have already made the decision about whether mm-hmm. or not they want to return mm-hmm. um, before they even walk in the door, right? Right. right. So. So we're, so we're thinking about that, but even just honoring people with that and saying like, Hey, you know, you clean the bathrooms this week. Mm -hmm. Like that's huge. You know, that's a big, that's a big part of our Sunday service. You might not think that because you're not preaching or singing Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, even this, this Sunday we're at a, you know, we're having our services at the park and, and can't get the zoom to go on Facebook to, to do our services. And it, you know, it kind of messed with me, definitely kept us from starting the service on time, you know? And so just small things can impact that. Yeah. And I like what you said, each, each individual event is its own whole, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is, you know, it really is when you think about it that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody kind of has to show up to it. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the benefits of the body uh, metaphor. Mm Mm-hmm is I think it really gets set across mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, every part of the body has to be functioning for mm-hmm. the body to be healthy. Yeah. And... I also think there's something that doesn't get talked about here enough uh, is the seasons of rest. Not everybody in your church can be working every week. Mm. Sometimes they need a week off. Sure. And just because they're not fulfilling a specific function within the church does not mean that they're not a part of the body. Mm-hmm. That they're not actively involved because the season of rest, which by the way is a biblical season, um, is strengthening their ability to serve when it's their turn to serve again. Sure, you know, and so, um, you know, is that the part of the have lesser value or greater value? You know, I don't know how it fits within the the terminology of the text, but sure, sure. I think that that's a part of that. That not all of my bus- my muscles in my body are working at every given time. You know, and so. Mm-hmm. Some of them are resting and and gaining, you know, the oxygen from the blood that's circulating within them while they rest. And so that's a part of body. That's part of church life as well. Yeah. Scientifically, we know that rest is really important for our Mm -hmm. body. Um, You know, whether that's sleep or like more extended periods of rest or even just like in muscle building, right, where you're tearing your muscles, you have to Mm -hmm. let them rest so that they can rebuild Mm -hmm. uh, to become bigger muscles. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that's what the original people were thinking when they were reading that, if they were thinking about like, you <laughs> no. know, what's going on in your body, but maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think 
you know, especially saturated in a culture mm-hmm. of Sabbath too, I think they would have understood, um, gotten right. that right. from it as well. And that was, I mean, the I mean, God said what the Sabbath uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man, right? Mm-hmm. And so that idea of rest was written into the very law of the Old Testament I and mean, the world in which Jesus stepped into, and the world in which Paul knew and Apollos knew. I mean, they would have understood that season of rest as a part of the way the body functions properly, because that's really what Romans 12 is about, having the body function at peak proficiency. Right, right. Right. And so they would have understood that law of rest and that law of stress and, you know, and what that actually meant for the body. And so, yeah, I think they think they had a good understanding, probably a better understanding than we do, because we don't abide by another one of those laws in the Bible Christians like to ignore. Mm. So Yeah, for sure. I think uh, 1 Corinthians has a lot to to say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, this is found all throughout, I think, especially the New Testament, mm-hmm. um, as you read Acts and you read some of the other epistles mm-hmm. and definitely the Gospels as well. Ultimately, Paul's message is, you know, this is about Jesus, it's about mm-hmm. Christ. So during our series, we're mostly going to be talking about Christ and what he said mm-hmm. about serving and and then even more so how how he exemplified mm-hmm. that serving as well um and the person you know deserving of the most honor um chooses to obtain that honor in a way that's very very mm-hmm. different to us and that's mm-hmm. by serving other people so um what do you think do you, you have maybe like a small like sneak peek of something that you're looking forward to for the series that's coming up yeah you know i think one of the things i'm most looking forward to is being reminded of Jesus' teaching that the one who serves is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that service could be would be different. I mean, we're reminded in the book of Acts of this lady who was known just for her acts of generosity. And, uh, you know, so looking at, at the teaching of Jesus and then looking at the people who actually lived this out. Mm-hmm. Here's an example of this from Scripture, how they live this out, and how, I mean, their story is encapsulated in the Scriptures Yeah, for all of us to go back and to read about and learn about, and so that, that kind of makes them the greatest of all times, you know? We toss that, oh, they're the goat, you know? And so, but Jesus said, the greatest of all time is the one who serves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think for me, sneak peek-wise, I am... Looking the most forward to, I don't know, I'm looking forward to talking about this, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, Mm -hmm. which is the story of James, John, and their mom. Mm -hmm. That's what I call it. Mm -hmm. And I love that one where they kind of approach Jesus and they're asking about, you know, grant us that we can sit on the right hand Mm -hmm. in, you know, in the kingdom of heaven. And um, I just think it's a funny story. Mm -hmm. And Jesus turns it around so much. And I, it's, the funniest thing to me is how Jesus makes them like an object lesson. <laughs> it goes so wrong for them because yeah. Jesus kind of corrects them. And then he turns to his apostle and he's like, hey, these, these guys, <laughs> yeah. they got it wrong. Like, yeah. here's how you should you should think about it. I just think that's a funny story. Mm-hmm. And I love that their mom came along with them for mm-hmm. it. You know, like mm-hmm. I can picture like, you know, their mom kind of jumping in and, and being like, let's go, you know, and <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. encouraging the process. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they got their mom for extra credibility. I don't know. I just <laughs> To me, that story is so funny. And yeah. I love talking about it. I think it's so relevant to, mm-hmm. what, to what we're, you know, talking about right now, where mm-hmm. it's like, it's so easy to just become prideful. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is so like anti-pride. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's huge. But 
I'm looking forward to this series. Uh, you can catch it if you're listening. Um, of course, if you're local to, to Connecticut or the New Haven area, you can come down to Pond Hill um, in uh, North Haven. And then also you can catch it on YouTube and Facebook. I'll mm-hmm. put the links for that for sure. Shameless blog. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Who's going to be the greatest? So we got to ask. Yeah, for real. I'm trying, still trying to think of that, who who I would even think is the greatest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're curious about who we think the greatest is, you have to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's my, pro- my pleasure. Cool. We'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Unison Church Podcast. If you're a Christ follower, I hope this has encouraged you to grow closer, not only to him, but also to his family. May we unite in our allegiance to him and raise our voices together to worship Yahweh. If you're not a Christ follower, I hope that this has represented Christ well to you. May this spark your curiosity towards Jesus and his people. In any case, I hope you'll connect with us again here on the podcast and share it with a friend. You can find links in the show notes if you'd like to reach out to us through other ways as well. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to being with you again soon.